Pray with me, please. Our God and Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your son. We celebrate his birth today. Even as it's been said, this probably was not his birthday, but uh, there really is no birthday for one who is eternal. But we celebrate the incarnation. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming and living a perfect life. The only one who ever could do it. Thank you for being the perfect sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, for taking upon yourself all of our sin. And so, Lord, we today, today we celebrate. We thank you, Lord, for, for what is going on here in this place and in churches, in uh, assemblies all around the world, celebrating who you are. So, Lord, I pray that by your spirit today that you might help us to gain just a little bit better insight and a little bit more love, a little bit more worship for you. And we're going to thank you, Lord, for what you will do here now in Jesus' name. Well, it's interesting that uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the UK, but back in the day, all right? So where their, their attitude was a little bit more spiritual and godly. In 1981, about four decades ago, the movie Chariots of Fire made its way onto the big screen. Maybe some of you have seen that movie. It's good stuff. The story centered around Eric Little, a son of missionary parents to China. A man of many talents, especially short-distance running, he was first and foremost an outspoken Christian, running for the glory of God. Having made the team to represent the UK in the 1924 Olympics, he experienced a clash between his love for running and his convictions. For him, Sunday, the Sabbath as he labeled it, was a day to refrain from all things worldly. To do anything besides spiritual activities for him was a heinous sin against God. Horrifically, Little discovered that his race was indeed scheduled for, you guessed it, on Sunday. And he discovered it while he was en route on board a ship to the 1924 uh, Games in Paris. Though it was an extremely difficult decision, Eric Little did forego that race, his specialty, 100-meter dash. However, he was offered a chance to run another race later on in that week, at one that was far longer than his specialty. But the Lord strengthened him, and he won his 400-meter race in bringing home a gold medal for the UK. One of the early scenes in the movie pictured three men. It was Eric Little and his dad and Sandy, Eric's coach. They were having a discussion as they left a corporate worship service. The dialogue went something like this, where the elder Little was telling the younger men, the kingdom of God is not a democracy. The Lord never seeks re-election. There are no referenda on which road to take. There's one road, one right, one wrong, one absolute ruler. Sandy chimes in, the dictator you mean? And the elder Little answers him, I, but a benign, loving dictator. And Sandy says, so much for your freedom of choice. And then Eric says, you have a choice, Sandy. You don't have to follow. And with that said, as so many others have said, Merry Christmas. Definitely glad that we can worship the Lord together. And again, we know that December 25th was probably not the day of Christ's birth. It's more along the lines of, what, uh, March 23rd, something along those lines. But for multiply hundreds of years, Christians have set aside 
this day to remember the Lord Jesus, Yahweh incarnate, having come to earth through Mary. Now, as we know, Christ didn't stay an infant. He grew up and poured out his life in ministry and to others, culminating in his death and resurrection in perfect obedience to the Father. The reality of who Jesus is definitely gripped me and deeply gripped me and the rest of the cat. And so we decided in the cat meeting that we would pare things down this year. We decided to minimize decorations so we can focus not so much on the baby in the manger, but on Jesus as who he really is. And throughout our Christmas series, 2022, we've used metaphors to help us in our appreciation for and worship of the Lord Jesus. In week one, we heard Jesus describe himself as the light of the world. And John in his gospel says this about him. In him was life, and the life, real life, was the light of men. In week two, we saw Christ as a Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And how horrible the price he paid for our sin. But how great and glorious is the Lamb of God. Amen? Christ, the giver of life, gave his own life to purchase for us not just life in the here and now, but eternal life for all who would be reconciled to him. Now we marvel at the fact that Christ has taken away the sin of every person who's ever lived upon the shoulders and into the heart of the Son of God. Our sin was placed. The prophet Isaiah said this about what happened between the Father and his Messiah when he was on the cross in Isaiah 53. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for sin and for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days and the will of the Lord shall prosper his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. And by his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Amen. He bared all of our iniquities. All of our iniquities were placed upon him. And though Christ suffered so much, the Father did not abandon him to the grave. After three days, our Savior rose again. He is alive forever, seated at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for his people. Hallelujah. Then last week, Brother Greg helped us to see Christ as the Lion of Judah, completely protecting his bride. See the Lion as he dispatches our enemies, completely overpowering them. As one songwriter put it, all the power of death is dead. And we, his people, are completely safe because the Lion of the tribe of Judah is our protector and our provider. Amen. And this week, we look at Christ as Lord. Now, admittedly, the word Lord, the concept of Lord, is not a metaphor. But let's be honest. Lord, as a reality, is foreign to our minds. As followers of Christ, we use the word often. But do we really understand what Lord means, especially as they understood it back in Jesus' day? We've been born and raised as Americans. We bristle at the thought of living under the authority of a Lord. Or as we have just heard it described, a dictator, though he be benign and loving. See, this goes to the heart of our understanding of the system of government 
that we've been living under for the last 250 years almost. See, we understand our system of government as a representative republic. Even though those who know better or ought to know better, they refer to it as a democracy. We're not a democracy, are we? The government is, as Lincoln said in his Gettysburg Address, of and for and by the people. Many of us see our elected officials as taking an increasing amount of control from us, and we don't like it. Think TSA. Think Department of Homeland Security. Think COVID passports in some places or the so-called vaccine mandates. Attacking the Second Amendment also seems to be a favorite target of the progressives and Marxists. Now, we're told that these things are for our safety, to include shutting down corporate worship services. We see these freedoms erode right before our eyes, and there seems to be nothing that can be done to stop the erosion. But, on the other hand, we see full-blown dictatorial regimes around the world in China or North Korea and even Iran, and we say in unison, no thanks. The human rights abuses come crashing in and splashing on our screens, and we are rightly incensed at all of this. The people are oppressed, and they're murdered. And we conclude that even though our country is far from ideal, at least for the time anyway, our circumstances are better than living under the dictatorships that billions of people are living in from all over the world, even right now. So when it comes to seeing Christ as Lord, Though we say the word, we don't have a positive reference point to help us understand what lordship really is. So let's briefly explain it and explore it. When we say Lord, what we mean is one who has the absolute right to rule over the people in his jurisdiction in any way he wants to. What he says goes, period. If the Lord or a king tells his subject, that they all must wear blue on Tuesdays or die, well, the family had better make funeral arrangements on Wednesday if a family member goes against the edict. We know in biblical history, several evil lords and kings who held absolute sway over the people. We think of Pharaoh. We think of Nebuchadnezzar. See, Pharaoh enslaved people, and Nebuchadnezzar forced people to worship him. Remember Nebuchadnezzar. You know, if you remember reading Daniel, he had a temper, didn't he? Remember Nebuchadnezzar, he had a dream and he told his advisors, listen, you've got to tell me what my dream is and you've got to interpret it. Otherwise, off with your heads, all of you. And so as king, it was his prerogative to do that. Why? Because he can. See, he was the top dog and what he said went. Fast forward several hundred years, and we find wicked Herod putting little babies to death because he thought the wise guys had double-crossed him regarding the whereabouts of the baby Jesus. These wicked rulers tell us, we who have enjoyed political freedom, that the last thing that we want is to live under any other political system than a representative republic. Again, our system needs much improvement. Corruption needs to be gotten rid of. But to live under a dictatorship is the worst thing that can happen to us politically because the dictator is a fallen human being. He's corrupt himself. 
And that's why we don't quite get it, do we? When we read about the apostles or Jesus referring to Christ as Lord. But what if we became convinced that the Lord and his ways were far better than any system of government to include our own and even the best of the times? What would life be like under his regime? I'd like to introduce you to a little girl named Sophie. In her wide-eyed, childlike wonder, she discovered what life was like living under the lordship of the best king ever. Sophie's Step Once upon a time, there was a little girl named Sophie. Sophie was a good girl most of the time. Sometimes Sophie felt angry or selfish or lazy. When she felt like that, she stopped being good and started being bad, very bad. She sassed her mommy, disobeyed the rules, took toys away from other children, and did not show respect to her daddy. Sometimes Sophie even fell on the floor and kicked and screamed until she got her way. Sometimes. Sophie liked being a good girl more than being a bad girl, and she wondered how she could stop the bad. She wondered and wondered. She tried hard to stop the bad behavior, but she always seemed to mess up. Sophie felt sad. One day, when Sophie was playing, she heard a voice. Sophie. She looked up, and there was a man. Sophie knew she had heard that voice before, and the face of the man seemed familiar to her. Hello, said Sophie. What's your name? My name is Yeshua. Sophie. I have heard and seen you trying to be a good girl. I know you want to stop doing bad things. I can help you, Sophie. Would you like me to help you? Can you really help me stop doing bad things, sir? Sophie asked. I can. And Sophie, not only can I help you stop doing bad things, I can change you and make you be good. Would you like that? Sophie said, Oh, yes, Mr. Yeshua, I want to be good. I want to. Very well. But, Sophie, you must learn to trust me. You must allow me to change you. You must learn to obey me. Will you trust me, Sophie? Sophie's face fell. She couldn't say anything. Speak, Sophie. What troubles you? Sophie answered, Mr. Yeshua, I want to promise these things, but I mess up and do bad things so much that I'm afraid I will break my promise and you will be angry with me. Yeshua smiled. Sophie, I know you better than you do. I did not ask you to change yourself. I asked you to trust me to change you. Do you see the difference? Oh, yes. Mr. Yeshua, I see the difference, cried Sophie. I promise I will trust you to change me. Good, said Yeshua, and I promise to change you. He smiled. I am going away, but I will be back. Remember your promise. And he was gone. Yes, sir, exclaimed Sophie. She went back to her play, happy and at peace. Sophie. It was the familiar voice of her friend. Sophie looked up. There he was, just as she remembered seeing him the first time. Hello, Mr. Yeshua. Wait. Something was different. 
her friend was wearing something on his head she didn't see before. A crown. Sir, said Sophie, when did you get a beautiful crown? Sophie, I have always had this crown. You have only just now seen it, because you are older and understand better now than you used to. Then you are a prince or a... Sophie could hardly get the word out. She was so amazed. A... a king? Yes, Sophie, I am a king. I am the king over all creation. I have always been king, and I always will be king. Are you my king, too? asked Sophie softly. I am your king, my dear one. Sophie was stunned. Here, standing in front of her, was her friend, Mr. Yeshua. But now she understood that her friend was really her king. Sophie was happy and afraid at the same time. She felt very shy and could not speak. So she fell to her knees, bowed her head before him, and simply waited for him to speak. Sophie, said King Yeshua, you have learned to trust me as you have grown. You are ready to come into my service. I would like to take you to my kingdom and live at my palace. Would you like that, Sophie? Oh, my king, replied Sophie, not looking up. But if she had looked up, she would have seen in her king's face love, joy, kindness, and strength. Oh, my king, I do want to go with you and stay with you forever. Very well, replied the king, holding out his hand and lifting her up. Let's go. And off they went, hand in hand, talking of many things to the palace of the king. It was magnificent. Sophie could never have imagined anything so beautiful. The first thing Sophie noticed was music, the most beautiful music she had ever heard in her life. It sounded a bit like her beloved music box at home in her room. Soft, tinkling, gentle tones she used to listen to as she fell asleep, safe and warm in her bed. The palace was filled with light. It was built out of something so bright white that Sophie could hardly look at it without squinting and shielding her eyes. It looked like it was floating in the sky, and Sophie wondered how people got to it. Then she looked and saw a beautiful staircase. There must have been hundreds or even thousands of steps going up to the palace. The reason she did not see it at first was because it seemed to be made of glass. No, that wasn't right. It was too pretty to be just glass. Then she realized the steps were made of crystal. This was where the music was coming from. As people walked up and down those steps, their feet were making sounds, and all the sounds together made the music. Sophie was filled with wonder. She stopped and listened and watched. Sophie? Sophie looked up into the smiling face of her glorious king. Sophie, before I take you into my palace, I have a job for you. Yes, of course, my king, replied Sophie eagerly. She knew she would gladly do whatever her king asked of her. Then, into the palace. Oh, joy. She couldn't wait. What is it? The king laughed. Then he looked serious. Do you trust me? It was a question she had heard many, many times since that first day so long ago. But she knew him well enough that she paused. Why would he ask her that question now, when 
the dearest hopes and dreams of her heart were about to be realized? Sophie quieted her heart and thought for a moment. Then she looked full into Yeshua's face and said, My king, I do trust you. I must trust you. Besides you, there is no one else I can trust. You are the king, and everything belongs to you, including me. Command me, dearest king. I will do as you say. With that, Sophie was suddenly filled with a strange feeling of joy, fear, and peace. At the same time, Yeshua spoke. Sophie, I want you to scrub the step you're standing on. Here is a brush and polishing cloth. I have to go, but I will come back. Okay, Sophie? Will you do this for me? Sophie felt relieved. Scrub and polish a step? That was easy. She smiled happily at her king. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, my king Yeshua. I was a little afraid that you were going to give me something hard to do, but this is easy. Will you be back soon? Yes, soon. But don't worry about that now. I'm glad you're doing this task for me. Goodbye for now. And he was gone. Sophie looked around. There certainly were a lot of steps. There were people, lots and lots of people, going up and down the staircase. There were also very large, lovely creatures Sophie had never seen before. There were They were ten times the size of the people walking on the steps. They had pleasant faces, and they wore robes that sparkled and shone like diamonds. It seemed to Sophie that they were watching everything that was going on. Were these the king's guards? Sophie wondered. Oh, well, time to work. The sooner this task was done, the sooner she would be taken to the palace. Sophie worked on that step every day, scrubbing, polishing, scrubbing, polishing. It was harder work than she thought it would be at first. She was surprised at how dirty some of the people were. What had they been walking through before heading up to the palace? Sophie felt she would have been embarrassed to show up at the palace in such a state. Sometimes, a person would be bleeding and wounded, and she would have to help them to the next step. Luckily, there was always someone on the steps near her to help the wounded pilgrims, for that is what they were, continue their climb. Sophie's heart hurt for these, and she wished she could hear their story, but no one stopped to speak with her. If it wasn't for her fellow workers, Sophie would have been lonely. Every day, Sophie wondered if this would be the day her king would come and take her into the palace. But every day came and went, and still she was alone. Not completely alone, however, for there were others, just like her, who were also scrubbing steps. Most of them were very friendly, and Sophie was glad to make friends with them. Others seemed to be angry or tired or something, because Sophie would hear them complaining. Where is he? He said he would be right back. Or... I'm tired of scrubbing this step all the time. Or, I'll bet he's not coming back at all, and we're going to be doing this forever. Sophie thought it best to ignore those people and concentrate on what she was doing. She did not want the king to find her complaining about the job he gave her to do when he came back to fetch her to his palace. Yes, it was oftentimes hard, messy, lonely work, and sometimes Sophie did feel like complaining or even quitting but she always remembered how much she loved her friend, King Yeshua. If this was what he wanted her to do, she was glad to do it. He asked it of her. She needed no more reason. 
Sometimes the task brought pain. As Sophie worked, she could hear the conversations of the pilgrims going up and down the staircase. Their footfall made the beautiful music, and their words added to the beauty as they praised the king. How Sophie loved to hear the music of the staircase. But when a pilgrim wasn't watching where they were going, or going too fast, they would lose their footing and fall on or trip over Sophie or another worker. Ouch! That hurt Sophie and the pilgrim. Then one of the beautiful, very large guards would step forward and help the pilgrim to their feet and set them on their way again. Then the guard would smile at Sophie, ask her if she was okay, and encourage her to keep scrubbing her step until the king returned. She loved seeing the guard smile, and after a while, she started to look forward to getting tripped over just so she could see that wonderful smile. Day turned to weeks, turned to months, turned to years. Sophie was growing old. One day, she sat back and looked at her hands. They showed the wear of her task and the years that had passed. She looked to her reflection in her crystal step. What did she see? An old woman with gray hair, a wrinkled face, and stooped shoulders. Yes, she saw these things, but she didn't care. She knew that one day she was going to go live in the palace of the king. He would choose the day, and she was content. She lifted her eyes and looked around her. People walking up and down the staircase, fellow workers scrubbing their own steps, the wonderful, beautiful guards watching over everything. Sophie stared at the guard closest to her and wondered again at the beauty, strength, and kindness of such beings. All of a sudden, the guard she was looking at looked back at her and started to smile. Sophie was thrilled. The smile grew into the biggest, most glorious smile she had seen yet. Sophie instinctively braced herself to get tripped over or stepped on, but it didn't happen. Instead, three things happened at once. The beautiful guards bowed very low. Her fellow workers stood and stayed very still, and the pilgrims fell to their knees. The staircase had stopped its music, and everything was silent. If Sophie would have glanced back at her reflection in the crystal step at that moment, she would have seen not an old woman, but a beautiful, happy, strong lady dressed in bridal robes. Sophie froze. She held her breath and waited. Sophie? The dear voice was still familiar. Sophie turned around. There was her king, her beloved king and dearest friend. Hello, my lord and king Yeshua, Sophie breathed. Is it time? It's time, dearest one, said Yeshua. He held out his hand. Let me have your scrub brush. You don't need it any more. He took Sophie's brush. Then he held out his other hand. There was a crown. Sophie had never imagined anything so beautiful as that. She knew it was for her, and she could not speak. So she bowed low before her king. He placed a crown on her head and lifted her to her feet. Come with me, my bride, he said with a happy smile. Sophie took his outstretched hand and walked up the crystal staircase with him into his glorious palace. King Yeshua, a delightful Lord, truly a benign, loving dictator. 
Eric Little eventually joined his parents as a missionary in China. And when he died as a martyr, as the end of the movie, Chariots of Fire put things, all of Scotland mourned. In other words, though, Eric Little, in the proper sense of the word, made the UK proud. What matters to so many Scots was Eric Little's sacrifice that he made on the altar of Christian service. But what was Eric Little doing? Simply scrubbing his step. As he told his sister Jenny in the movie, God made me for China, but he also made me fast. When I run, I feel his pleasure. Indeed, Eric Little went all out for his Lord. He gave his life scrubbing the step God gave him. Sophie gave her life to King Yeshua, scrubbing her step. And as her story goes, very few noticed. But King Yeshua had his eye on her all the time. And when the time was right, the king came for her. He took her brush and then took her hand and then led her to the palace. And I can't help but think that when evaluation day comes, the king will tell both Sophie, who, like most of us, served the Lord in obscurity, and Eric Little, one whom all of Scotland mourned over, well done, good and faithful servant. As we finish up our Christmas series 2022 and get ready to turn the page to 2023, let me offer all of us some encouragement and a challenge. First, the encouragement. May we all look more intently at the Lord now more than ever before. Christ is the light of the world who grants life to all. Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Christ is the Lion of Judah who dispatched the most powerful enemy mankind could ever experience and know and come up against, death itself. And he did this by giving his life for his people. And Christ, as the Lord has the right to rule every human on the planet. The king does not reign over a democracy. The Lord never seeks re-election. There are no referenda on which road to take. There's one right, one wrong, one absolute ruler. The Lord Jesus, in every sense of the word, is a dictator, but a benign, loving dictator. And we have the tremendous privilege of choosing to follow him. And we look at the world and its ways, and we conclude that the world is growing increasingly dark. But I beg to differ. See, the truth is, the world has always been dark. Did not the Lord tell us that only few of us would find life? And those who choose life through reconciliation to the king become lights of the world. The Lord tells us in Matthew 5, 13 to 16, and I would like for us to turn there in the scripture. I know it's a little bit dim in here, but if you can't, please go ahead and, and turn there or just read along in your manuscript if you have it. I want us to see these words on the page of what our Lord said about who we, if we're following Christ, who we really are to the world. You, my disciples, are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works 
and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. May I encourage every one of us in this room today and all under the sound of my voice to simply be the light that the Lord has called you to be. If you are a true disciple of Jesus, shine your light in this very, very dark world. It's true, isn't it? This world has nothing for us. Do you believe that? Nothing for us. Now, we're not talking about the things that he's made. I'm talking about all the things that are in the world. We talked about this in Bible Fellowship today. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. All those things. There are many things that we can enjoy, but these things are of the world. It has nothing for us. So let's remember who he is and the love he has shown to us. Let's seek to be loyal to the Lord in an ever-increasing measure. And now let me turn the corner and challenge or even perhaps warn some of you who appear to follow Jesus, but in your heart, you know that you're not loyal to him. Though Jesus is benign and loving, he still is a dictator who demands absolute loyalty to him. It's obvious, isn't it? There's only enough room in every kingdom for one throne. And there's only enough room on that throne for only one king. Jesus is the king. Now let me remind us, and uh, some of us, and inform the rest of us of three things that the Lord has done without our permission and without our consent. Imagine that. He does things without our permission. First, God never asked us if we wanted to be born. Isn't that true? The fact that you can hear me speaks Volumes about how little control we have over our own existence. Second, God will not consult us about the day or the manner of our death. Our time is coming for us to leave this world, and none of us know when that's going to happen or the manner and how it will happen. Truly, every day is a gift from our Creator. And third, the Lord has never asked us if we wanted him to rule over us. See, the king is right now ruling and reigning over every person. Because Jesus is God's Messiah, having conquered death, God gave him the nations as his inheritance. The psalmist writes in Psalm 2, verses 8 to 12, Ask of me, he says, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them, Break who? The nations with a rod of iron and dash them, who? The nations in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, as in kiss, as in worship, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. If he's talking to the rulers about this and warning them that way, how much more the pagans need to pay attention. The truth is, Jesus, king, benign, loving dictator, Lord of lords, already rules and reigns over everyone, regardless of who agrees or regardless of who protests. It's only a matter of time till all will bow their knee and confess with their tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Would you agree with this?
And so my challenge and even warning to those who are just sort of, you know, living on the edge, playing around with this thing when it comes to Jesus, why not do what he said? Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow him. See, wonderfully, this is how we establish friendship with the Lord. See, you know, Jesus told us what friendship with him is like. He desires friends, many friends. But we must meet his condition if we want to be his friend. John 15, 14, Jesus says this, you are my friends, what? If you do my commandments, if you keep them, if you do what I command you. In verse 4, John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Do you see a pattern here? Loyal, gratitude-based obedience is what the Lord is after. Let's get busy serving the Lord Jesus, King Jesus, out of our love for him. Love as he describes things. Which may be asking, how do we do this? How do I flesh this out? Sophie. Sophie looked up in the smiling face of her glorious king. Sophie, before I take you into my palace, I have a job for you. Yes, of course, my king, replied Sophie eagerly. She knew she would gladly do whatever her king asked of her. What is it? The king laughed. Then he looked serious. Do you trust me? Sophie quieted her heart and thought for a moment. Then she looked full into Yeshua's face and said, My king, I do trust you. You are the king, and everything belongs to you, including me. Command me, dearest king. I will do as you say. Sophie, I want you to scrub the step you are standing on. Here is a brush and polishing cloth. I have to go, but I will come back. Okay, Sophie, will you do this for me? She smiled happily at her king. Oh, yes, my king Yeshua. Will you be back soon? Yes, soon. But don't worry about that now. I'm glad you're doing this task for me. Goodbye for now. Insert your name there instead of Sophie. Would to him, to the Lord, to the king, that we all, as his followers, become like Sophie. Childlike, with wide-eyed wonder, amazed just to be in the presence of King Yeshua. So what has the Lord given you as a step to scrub? See, it's all right in front of us. See, our step is carrying out the tasks that the Lord has given you and me to do as listed and described in his word. Scrubbing our step is gratitude-based obedience to the Lord's commands. This is how the Lord describes his disciples. Will you scrub your step, making obedience to the ways of King Yeshua your priority, number one priority, until he returns? Do you long to hear on evaluation day? Well done, good and faithful servant. We have no idea what's around the corner. We have no idea what's going to happen to us in 2023. Regardless of when the Lord returns or when we go see him, may he find all of us loyally living our lives for the king, well pleased to him in every 
Let's pray. King Jesus, we bow to you. And in this room, at this time, we say to you, we bow to you alone. And we really mean it. These are our intentions. But Lord, sometimes we get distracted. We get deceived. We get diverted in our and our vow to you, our intention that we make is sometimes going by the wayside. But Lord, I pray that you will strengthen us, that you will help us, because you've loved us so, so well. You've loved us so perfectly. And knowing, Lord, that you are the king, you didn't have to serve us, but you did. You washed feet of your disciples who were even arguing amongst themselves who the greatest is when all they had to do is look down and wash and, and, and witness you washing their feet. Lord, you hung on the cross for us and thereby paid the price that we could never pay for our sins. So Lord, change us. We trust you, Lord, that you would change us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to get in such a habit of saying yes to you because you are our king. That when the time gets really tough, and it's not tough right now for for all of us in this room and probably under the sound of my voice, but the time will get tough. Lord, we know this to be true because our brothers and sisters around the world, especially right now in Kazakhstan, are undergoing severe persecution. Lord, that day is coming here. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to say yes to you so often that when the tough times come, it will be a little less difficult to say yes to you then. Lord, you demand loyalty. You are our dictator, but you are our kind, benign, loving dictator. Lord, may we bow the knee to you and to you alone. Lord, today as we celebrate your birth, we celebrate the fact that you're king, risen at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, Thank you, Holy Spirit, for interceding for us with groanings to deeper words as well. Lord, you hear the desire and the longings of our hearts to be loyal to you. So, Lord, I pray that today that you would help us. And, Lord, now I pray as we turn our attention to yet a couple more acts of worship. May these be truly acts of worship as we give to you, as we sing to you. And we'll thank you for these things in Jesus' name.